0: Radio Drome. Welcome to episode 76 of Radio Drome. Brad and Brian are busy this week, so I had to really drag the bottom of the internet barrel again. With me this week is my Lost in the Static co-host, Scott Murray. Hi,
1: everybody. Happy to be here.
0: And, and my, my frequent Geek Juice contributor, Alex Jowski. Hello again. And when he means again, he does mean again. I'll go into that in a minute. Let's get the Adam and Eve promo out of the way. Go to AdamandEve.com. Use the promo code DROME. And Scott, this should be second nature. Go. <coughs> static. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> DROME. Oh, I'm
1: so sorry. I'm, I'm getting some static in the headset. Uh, the... the... <laughs> Just <laughs> <Sorry>. do it. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, you get 50% off of one item. You get free shipping within the U.S. You get three, three free Spank DVDs. And one s- extra special super mystery gift that is so dirty, we dare not mention what it is.
0: And, and that and we don't know.
1: Well, yeah. And that's all if you use the promo code DROME. <coughs>
0: aesthetic, uh,
1: in order to check out and, and get the special deal.
0: Before we actually get into everything else, couple of things. One. I want to thank Ryan Lascote for finding me, ins- finding me a copy of Harlan Ellison's The Other Glass Teat and sending that to me. So thank you for that, Ryan. And Jeff Strait for finding me that Lionsgate DVD set that's at, quote, all Walmarts across America. Problem is, within a 200-mile radius of Green Bay, they don't have this one. And I had them look it up. They don't have it anywhere closer than Kansas City. So all Walmarts across America, screw you, Lionsgate. You suck.
1: Well, I think they meant across all of America
0: that matters, which apparently doesn't include you and I. Apparently not. Because it's a really cool DVD set with Waxwork, 976 Evil 2, Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College, The Unholy, Chud 2, Bud the Chud, Chopping Mall, Slaughter High, and Class of 1999. And at least five of these movies have never been put on DVD before, so it's kind of insulting to the movies that they're on a $5 multi-movie collection at Walmart, I think, personally.
2: <laughs> well, you know, but- there are a lot of companies that when they have those massive $5 DVD releases at Walmart, these companies will go through, buy every single copy before anybody else can and sell them for $10 on eBay.
0: Kind of a douchebag thing, but yes. Yeah, that's that's
2: why there's a lot of the the really good $5 sets are hard to find because people are selling for $10 on eBay. Well, this set actually has been going for quite a bit on eBay
0: because, it, because of the fact that the movies are kind of rare and the fact that no one can find them in certain states. I had to actually put a call out on Facebook, and Scott, Scott will like this term, our minions found them for me.
1: No, 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 no. no our, our dear, dear friendly listeners. Fair enough. I don't, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) You and I are not important enough to have minions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I want to thank Jeff Strait for finding that and Ryan Lascote for the Harlan Ellison book. And now this is the second take of this. And Scott wasn't involved in the first. Alex and I and Dane Forgione did almost the entire show. We were up to the 50-minute mark when Alex was not recording as a backup. And my recorder all of a sudden said, no, no, screw you. Gave me the finger and said, file corrupted. So this is take two of episode 76, and I'm not in a good mood. And Alex, just, you, can, you can attest I was not in a good mood the first time either, was I? No. And so I'm in a worse mood tonight.
1: <laughs> so
0: Scott, you're in for something I else was, tonight.
1: <laughs> I, I was innocently perusing internet porn. when And uh, I just messaged him, hey, want on
0: The actual topic, again, is the death of 35-millimeter film. The LA Weekly recently did a large article on how the movie studios are basically trying to get rid of 35-millimeter film and force digital projection onto theaters. I obviously think this is a douchebag move from the first time we did this. I know Alex is on the opposite side, so Scott, I'm going to go to you first since you're the wild card in this do you think it is wise to go pure digital or do you think they should stick with 35mm for those that want it? It's I'm I'm
1: kind of on the fence with this one to be honest because part of me being the technophile that I am, I see 35mm film versus digital project, projection and I go, "Oh, it's about time. Make the switch over for goodness sake. Let my theater download movies. You you get rid of the shipping costs." you you get what many would say would be a better picture quality, a better sound quality. There it is. And it and as as a former projectionist, that digital uh projection, oh, so easy to deal with versus film. And here's here's where I'm on the other side of the film. Uh near you and I, Josh, we've got that little tiny cinema in Depeere. Now that little tiny cinema shows lots of art house films it shows some very odd things that you don't see in the big cinemas it occasionally shows the the blockbusters you know after they've even come out of the budget films many times after they've been released on DVD they're still in this little film or er, er, still in this little cinema and they also serve dinner with their movies and there is absolutely no way in the world that this little cinema could afford a digital projection system. And so if 35mm dies, you're going to see a lot of smaller cinemas and smaller theaters, drive-in theaters and things like that just die with it.
2: Well, there is the simplicity of it. It is much easier. It's much cheaper and than film by Tons of money, and it's safer. It's not as flammable and dangerous as film is. Okay, I'm gonna and- call. I'm gonna call bullshit on your safer there. D-
0: digital has a lot more problems. Look at what happened with Toy Story. Only five years after Toy Story was was made all digital and stored in the Pixar database, they went back to go strike the DVDs and found that over twenty percent of the data had been corrupted and was unusable, and they had to go back to the original negative to strike the DVD from it. Only five years after they digitized it, 20% of the data had become useless. And the Toy Story 2 story is even worse. That was almost completely erased. They had already gotten rid of the original they but then they were storing Toy Story 2 on a Linux machine. One afternoon somebody was in there and accidentally hit the delete key and started erasing it. The punch of one button started erasing their master file for Toy Story 2, and they had to do file recovery on it. When it's that simple to just accidentally erase something digital and boom, there are no more copies of it, keep in mind this is prior to it coming out on DVD, Josh, and they'd they'd already struck the negative out for the whole five years. And twenty percent of the data is, is corrupted. That's ridiculous. Okay. They
2: should have backed up the file.
1: I'm I'm going to shoot <laughs> a couple of holes in your theory here. That that five years and digital and the digital corruption. Yes, that's entirely possible. It's an, it's entirely technically valid that it could happen. And if if Pixar did that again, it would be insanely stupid. The nice thing that we that the nice thing about digital when it comes to archiving is that one we have cloud storage now and often cloud storage in the form of piracy so it's always going to be out there it's always going to be available somewhere there's going to be a backup copy somewhere and that backup copy is going to be just as good as long as it's you know distributed digitally that backup copy is going to be just as good as an original. And so that five-year degeneration, yeah, at the time, that I can see that happening, but we've we've jumped over that hurdle. The other one that you talked about with somebody just walking in and hitting the big red delete button and having sirens go off and hard drives wiped and, and such, that is bad system design. The The idea of a single key or a single keystroke deleting something, especially in a digital archival form, it's out the window too because you've had people like Google uh, step in with their archive project and you've had people like smarter people at Pixar step up and are start scanning and archiving these films and going... No oh, no 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 in order to delete this we have to have three people in Topeka Kansas
0: agree to delete it and turn keys at the same time Scott i'm picturing right now the self destruct sequence from star trek 3 yes 1b 2b 3b destruct <laughs> <laughs> That's the combination that combination in my head was the enterprise blowing up
1: yes the combination is 1 2, two 3, <laughs> three. For, yes you know and, and all right, right that's, there, my,
2: right that's there, my president l- scroob that's my luggage combination
0: <laughs> thank you president scroob for getting the joke but then, but then there's there's also the thing of well and scott already brought this up smaller movie theaters that can't compete they can't this digital equipment is just expensive and the studios are are kind of being real douchebaggy about this each studio is basically putting what equates to like like region coding, on on the on the DVDs they send. If you don't have a certain kind of projector, well, this projector will only play 20th Century Fox movies because it'll only read this certain kind of coding. Well, Paramount doesn't want that, so Paramount's going to put out their own exclusive projector that you have to do to play Paramount movies, etc. So these these chains even have to buy a different projector or a different encoding disc for every stu- major studio out there because each studio says, I don't want my 20th Century Fox movie to be played on the same projector that a Paramount movie can be played on. Let's put on a lock code in that.
1: that that's also an old fight. Uh, and, yeah, they, they fought about it for, have fought about it for years, and there are still, I think 20th Century Fox is still a holdout. I think Paramount has finally bent. I know that Columbia bent and oh what's the other big studio that bent? anyway most of the most of the major studios have agreed upon a format now there's a couple of holdouts going no no you're not gonna do it and luckily they're they're not going to hold out for forever um so it's while i agree and i and i see the point again this is something else that is changing
2: i'm gonna side with scott on this the studios do have that mindset of me, 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 only I should make money off this. But like any new technology that comes along, they're going to reach a compromise. Look at MP3 players. It used to be just the iPod, but then every other company wanted in, and there was compromises to the file formats.
0: Well, and then there, there's also sort of the loss of, and and Scott brought this up earlier when he when you said you used to be a projectionist, and I was too, and Alex, so were you. There's a certain artistry, to a film projector you had to know how to thread the film properly you had to know what to do if the film stretched if the film came out of the sprockets and was put you know the the sprockets are punching holes in the audio track along the 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 hole line and things like that or if a bulb explodes which in an old projector can do a hell of a lot of damage inside a, inside a projector and you go well the digital projectors are better not really like a bulb for an old 35-millimeter projector will cost about $600. It costs almost double that for a bulb in a digital projector, and the digital bulb will only last half as long. What it comes down to is you're paying twice as much for half the amount of time, and then there's the whole fact that with digital, that it's basically all zeros and ones inside there, that you have to have a tech. Like at the old movie theater I worked at, if that projector broke, there were people that worked there that, okay, I can take this apart and do this. And I mean, you can take an old film projector with almost 40 percent of the parts not working and still make it actually project the movie, maybe not properly, but project the movie.
2: You bump a digital projector wrong and it's down until the tech gets there. True. And the reason it's so expensive is because it's new. It's not as in wide release as your film projectors are. Give it time, and like everything else, it will decrease in price. I I think the studios want a monopoly, personally.
0: I think they'd love to to go, you can only get the technology from us, and you've got to keep coming to us.
2: I think they want that monopoly. See, oh, Josh, undoubtedly that's what they want, but realistically that's not how it's going to end up happening.
1: Josh, you've got to remember, too, these are the same <laughs> studios that want a, wanted a monopoly on controlling a certain actor during the old studio days. This, These were the studios that prior to prior to settling on 35mm film and the way that it is, wanted all kinds of different film widths and different film formats and, and wanted to release their film on just that kind of film so that you had to have a film projector from this studio. These are the studios that fight and fight and fight and fight against... Uh, things like videotapes and things like DVD and things like Blu-ray, and things like digital distribution. You know, they they fought against digital distribution and and digital projection for years and years and years because one, they're idiots, and two, it was new, it was scary, it was easy and it's the old argument of, oh my god, the pirates, oh my god, look at the pirates. And... The they will come around, and eventually you will end up. I mean, look at look at me. There there was a time when computers hit hit the ground and hit the ground running. When you had to be a lab tech to work on a computer to get a program up and running, but now you call me and you're like, "What do I do?" And I can talk you through it. I can talk you through building a computer if need be. And eventually we'll reach that point where. Things have standardized. Things are cheaper. Look at the advancements in LED lights, too. Uh, eventually, we're going to have an LED projection lighting system where it's going to be nice and cool. It's going to last for umpteen billion hours. And, you know, it's it's going to take three and a half seconds to replace because you pop a card out and put a new card in. It, these things will come around. And while I agree that we're not quite there yet, I, I can I can see it.
0: Well will see. Okay, but one of the other things that supports my wanting a monopoly theory is the lack of thirty-five millimeter prints. Twentieth Century Fox is the only one doing this so far. Or at least it's been reported. I have not seen reports of Paramount, Disney, Warner Brothers, etc. 20th Century Fox is going up and buying up all their old 35mm prints from collectors and auctions and things and destroying them. So within a couple of years, there will be no 35mm prints of Alien out there, for example, or Planet of the Apes. You will have to rent their digital. It's basically like, I have the superior copy, I'm going to go buy up all the other copies, so you have to come to me for it. That's real
2: douchebaggy, I think. Yeah, and I don't agree with that. I like the digital format has a means of production, of producing new movies. If it's produced in a digital format, ideally it should be presented in a digital format. But for movies that already exist in 35mm, they should stay that way. I mean there is the historical significance of that film on 35mm because that was the artist's intent of how the film should look. See, and I,
1: I agree with you there, Alex, and that's where uh, you've got institutions such as the Smithsonian stepping in. And luckily the Smithsonian is doing exactly what Josh is saying the studios are doing, and it's it's getting, you know, as many copies of these thirty five millimeter films and professionally housing them in in preservation warehouses and things like that. And in order to Keep the studios from doing what you're talking about. and Now, don't get me wrong, either. I'm not putting down 35mm film. It's got a wonderful feel to it. And I, I believe that just like when Polaroid stopped developing and producing Polaroid camera film, there was another company that stepped up and said, Okay, we'll do it. We know that there's not a huge market out for this, but we'll do it on a small scale. And keep our hobbyists going just like vinyl has seen a resurgence since since the cd as film goes more and more digital and you get that beautifully clean crisp digital picture with absolutely no hair on the film and no smudgies and no feeling to it that there is going to be a group of people that go "Mm, no i want my movie to look Like it's on 35 millimeter, and yeah, I can do that digitally. See what grindhouse like they did, they added each hair digitally and stuff. And they go, No, that's that's still not right. I want it actually on 35 millimeter film. I think there will always be a hobbyist production company, for lack of a better term, out there.
0: Well, and then that also brings up the whole too clean. When, when when they when they take something that was shot on film and they digitize it for Blu-ray, if they just put it on Blu-ray, that's fine. But when they try to up-convert it to HD, look at what happened to the Predator Blu-ray. It's unwatchable. They used the ex- the actual program that the Avatar used of the digital noise reduction, and to take out all the grain. Everyone in that film looks like a wax dummy of themselves. It's too clean. It, it doesn't even look real anymore. And yet people go, Well, I want that. I want it to be pristine. But it looks fake. See, and, and that's going
1: to happen when you upconvert something from film. It's going to. You, you and I you have. Can't add
0: resolu- you can't add resolution that's not there, basically. Yeah, you
1: can't add resolution that's there. And you and I have talked about that uncanny valley. Where things are too perfect, you 've got the robot that looks too human um, and and that 's where f- those upconverted films are going to fall into that uh, that uncanny valley now something that 's digital from the day of its conception to the day it's you know to the to its death in theaters, then that isn't going to have that same wax figure look it's it's still going to be beautifully clean and crisp and to a purist and to somebody that understands the historical you know again that has sat in a ground grindhouse theater and has seen these films it's still going to look a little unnerving but i think for future generations something that's digital from date of conception to date of death is going to be passably just fine in a way that an up conversion never will be
0: well, then you also have the fallback of like what happened to MGM a couple of years ago. MGM decided for whatever dumbass reason, the board of directors decided to do this. They were going to get rid of all their film negatives. I mean, of the you know, 50 years worth of film, they were going to put them all onto hard drives, digitize them all, and then literally dump them into the ocean to get rid of them because they didn't want them anymore. And after they did that, they—I mean—they hadn't dumped them in the ocean yet. But after they digitized them, they found out, ooh, somebody had a couple of settings wrong. Some of these are way too washed out, or they're way too dark. We need to do this again. The problem with that is, well, what if you hadn't found that problem until after you had dumped them into the ocean?
2: Yes, they should still keep stuff that was shot on thirty-five millimeter. Should be kept that way, not just for archival purposes should you know a copy get lost or something. But the 35mm was the artist's intention of how that film should look. I will side with the artist every time. All right. What, what
0: happens with then... To, now, I'm going to come across like a real cinema snob here, and I don't mean to, but this is my, my actual feelings on this. When you shoot on digital, and, you, and it looks like you shot on digital you know, say you only had a $10,000 budget and you're shooting a huge zombie epic and it looks like a Sci-Fi Channel original movie, why do you not spend the extra five grand, which sounds like a lot, but in the long run isn't, to get film look done on your on your movie? Film look only costs about $5,000 for a 90-minute movie and it can it'll make it look like it was shot on 35 to the point where, only a true purist will be able to tell it was not shot on film. Yet people go, "Well, I don't have thirty-five. Or I don't. I don't have five thousand dollars to do that. I'm all right with the way this looks." Not now. Before either of you answer, I'm not talking about if it's supposed to look digital, like a paranormal activity or something that's supposed to look like a news program or a re, or a reality show. Something that's just trying to look like a movie. Does it or does it not take you sort of out of it? Does it not look? Fake to you when it's shot on digital. To me, it makes it look fake when it's not on film.
1: I'm changing my views on that one. Uh, it, it used to be unnerving because I was used to seeing 35 millimeter films all the time. The more films that I see that, like I said, were digital from birth to death, I'm getting used to that clean look and and putting this in, you know, the the mind's eye of our of our kids then I, I, I think that it they're going to get used to that clean look. They're going to look back at the film and go, oh, my God, how did you watch this? So I it's a change, and relatively it's an abrupt change, but I don't think it's good or bad. I just think it's a change.
0: Scott, I think we're already at that point because I've seen DVD reviews... For movies where, and I've got the movie and I'm watching it and I'm going, this movie is cleaner than it's ever looked before. It looks cleaner than the DVD or the laser disc, cleaner than the VHS. I saw it in the theater. This looks cleaner than it ever has before. Yet the DVD review is, the print they used is terrible and there's there's hair here and this and that. And they're like, because it's not absolutely perfect for a movie that was shot, say, 30 years ago. You're downgrading it because it doesn't look like Prometheus or Avatar? That's a, a weird sense of film snobbery too, don't you agree? Oh, yeah,
2: I'll agree that is, to, to downgrade something for how it looks given its time and resources. But to expand on what he said about the changes, you know, it is the change of the medium. It, You know, people will acclimatize to the digital look. I mean, there was a time when people didn't like stuff shot on film because pictures shouldn't move
0: i think that's a tad extreme but i do see what you're saying
2: yeah
1: but the the attitude was out there and to me that the situation that you mentioned where the critic actually down you know if there's even the slightest flaw in a in citizen Kane, if there if it's not right then this print is crap and you should throw it away et cetera, et cetera that is a fault of the critic, not of the filmmaker, not of the releasing company, not of the company that did the digital up conversion. That's the film. That's to me, that's the fault of the critic, not understanding the context in which the filmmaker came up with the film, shot the film and showed the film. It's, you and I have talked about it since I didn't know comic books very well. And I look back at some of these comic books and I go, oh my gosh, how did anybody in the world read these comic books? They're dumb as ever. And you, you've, you've said, wait, here's the context in which the comic book came out. Here's what's going on in the world around it. Now how does it look? And I'm like, aha, that was a fault with me not with the comic book or with the artists or anything like that. And I think the same can be said about these older films being upconverted and then criticized.
0: Well, and then, but then you also have the, and again, I, I know I'm coming across like a snob, but I hate the way digital looks. And, and I, and, now stick with me for a second, guys. This is going to be confusing, but I'm trying to make a point. To me, it's too clean and it looks too real that it looks unreal to me, if that makes any sense. When I'm watching a movie, I'm watching a movie. When I'm watching one of these shot on digital things, it looks too real and it doesn't look like a movie. It's not like I'm going, oh, my God, it's so real, I can't get into it. It looks so real, it looks fake to me. Does that make any sense, Scott?
1: That's the uncanny valley that we talked about. That is, I mean, oh, that Tom Hanks... Christmas Train, Polar Express, right smack in the middle of that where you're going, I know that this is computer generated, I know that this is a digital film, and yet I'm looking at Tom Hanks' face and I'm being creeped out by the robot that looks too human. Uh, And you, being a film connoisseur, Josh, you have taken in these VHS copies and these LaserDisc copies and in some cases these film copies either at a theater or at your home, and you've gotten used to that grittiness, that dirtiness, that when a digital feature, again, digital birth to death, feature comes out and has these clean things that I think today's audience is asking for, to you, you're right smack in the middle of that uncanny valley, even though it's a little bit different than, say, mine or Alex's.
2: Uh, with regards to digital looking fake, yes, it's It's a format that looks different than film. But as I said about siding with the artist, if somebody wants their film to look that way, then that's how it's supposed to look.
0: But, but to me, there's a difference between that, like a paranormal activity is supposed to look like that. A zombie apocalypse, it's a movie I recently got from Alternative Cinema, looks like that because that's all they could afford. And it looks like crap. It looks like it was shot with a $700 Walmart camera. And in the back of my mind, I'm just going, this was shot with Walmart equipment in the guy's backyard.
2: Well, here's the thing. Let's say a guy shoots his movie on digital and he likes how it looks. Now he has the option to pay that $5,000 for that film look conversion. It's just, it's a matter of if, that film look is what he wants then yes he should definitely go that route if it's if he's not going that route because he doesn't have the money then he's compromising his vision
1: what if the artist wants to use that uncanny valley effect or that that weird too clean effect that you mentioned specifically to give you the willies
0: I, I doubt it in a lot of the alternative cinema stuff that I'm getting. It's just that's the equipment that they had. It's just that they've got a $700 HD Walmart camera, I, and it just it looks like that because that's what they can afford. Because I'm sorry, when it's a zombie epic, and I use the word epic in real, huge, giant, in in bold font quotes, and when it's a zombie epic like Zombie Allegiance, no, the, I, I I can't see the director going. Ooh, I want to creep him out like this. Okay. the guy's making a low grade zombie movie that he shot for two thousand dollars. Well, let's he's let's, not
1: some artist. Let's take let's take this film and set it aside, and let's do this as a as a thought experiment. What if an artist said, "I want that too clean look," in order to kind of upset the old. For lack of a better term, the old fuddy duddies in the uh, in the audience, the, the the Joshes in the audience, I I want to hit them in the stomach where I know it's going to hit them. Would you respect the artist and at least give him props for, for doing that, or would it would it yes still bug I, I, you? I
0: would, and that's why I brought up like Paranormal Activity it was supposed to look like that. Blair Witch Project was supposed to look as crappy as it did. I got that, that that's what they were going for with those specific artists. Then maybe, maybe,
1: Josh, maybe James Cameron, when he did Avatar, it was supposed to look as clean and as uncanny valley-ish as it did. Maybe when he cleaned up Titanic, that was the film that he was supposed to release, just like... George Lucas, when he added all of his stuff to Star Wars, love it or hate it, that was the film that he
0: claims he was supposed to produce back in the 70s. Claims is the appropriate term there because he's full of crap because he keeps changing it. Oh, in 1996, this is the film I always, oh, it's perfect. 1998, oh, no, now it's perfect after I added this. Oh, no, 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 now in 2001, now it's perfect after I added this. George Lucas is not a good example of then, that.
1: Then take Lucas out and look at Cameron. Do you know maybe that was the look that he was going for?
2: And I'm sure it was with Avatar. I was going to say with regards to those movies that you know they clearly are somebody trying to do a huge epic on a shoestring budget. Those movies are bad not because of the format that they chose to shoot on. It's because, and I'm using the term again, compromise to their vision. They tried to do a $50,000 film for $2,000. And if you want to do a $50,000 movie, then you get $50,000 to make the movie you want to make. If you only can get 10000 then you make a different
0: movie. And see, Lloyd Kaufman, and I, I respect Lloyd. Okay, I respect what, what he says, and I disrespect it at the same time. He says, if you've only got a $1,000, make, make the movie you want to make for a thousand bucks. Find a way to make it for a thousand bucks. Don't not make the movie because you need ten thousand and you're nine thousand short. And I'm saying that's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. You you because I I, the artist in me, I would rather not make the movie at
2: all than make it garbage. It's like this like if I want to make a movie for ten thousand but only have a thousand, that's not the movie I want to make. Okay, Peter Jackson wanted to make Braindead, and he could not get enough money to make the movie. So instead of just copping out and doing it cheaper with what he had, he instead made Meet the Feebles, which was within his means and within his budget. And because of the success of that movie, he was then able to get enough money to make Brain Dead the way he wanted it to be.
0: What about you, Scott, about what I said about artistic integrity versus the dollar? Should the dollar dictate the artist's vision, or should the artist dictate the dollar? Well, I I think that
1: if an artist uses his brain a little bit, he looks at his dollars, he looks at his budget as another tool to make what he wants to make. I agree with Alex. I think that... If you want to make a $50,000 film and you get 5,000 bucks, take that $50,000 film, shelve it, take your tool of $5,000 and see, you know, make make the best movie you can for 5,000 bucks. You know, make make a different movie that is really good and then eventually somebody's going to give you 50,000 500,000 and 500, You know, how many times have you and I, Josh, sat down with one show topic in mind for Lost in the Static, and we talk it out a little bit, and it ends up not working out, so we go go to a different show topic that works. And that's what an artist has to do. I need $500 million to make Titanic to the Submariner's return or something. (laughs) And he gets... Through Kickstarter or whatever, he gets five thousand dollars. Then you you have to realize that you're not going to make Titanic two, The Submariner's Return, but you might just be able to make Jaws fifteen, Attack of the Kitty Pool. You know, so you have to change your product and you have to view that budget as a tool.
0: But see, there there are purists like Lloyd Kaufman who would say. Then, then you're compromising your vision. If you only have five thousand, then you, as the artist, it's your responsibility to figure out how to make Titanic Two on five thousand dollars. And I see what he's saying on an artistic level, but on a real level, that's just suicide. Because, like I said, to me, the product matters to the point where I'd rather not make it at all than make it like.
1: You know, I, I again, I see where Kaufman's coming from. And I kind of agree him on the, uh, agree with him on that artistic snobbery level of, well, if I can't make my epic, then I'm not doing anything. I shall make my epic no matter what. Then there's there's something to be said for that, but the realist in me goes, okay, if I make a really bad movie with this $5,000 and it goes nowhere, then I will never have the chance to make the really, really, really epic movie I want to make with $500 million. I agree with him on one level, on, on that level, but as a realist, no. you you got you to gotta walk before you run.
2: From a realistic level... I mean, not everybody can make another movie and have it succeed in order to make the movie that they want to make. Let's say you want to make a movie that's going to cost twenty thousand, but all you can get is five, as Scott was saying, a budget is just one of the tools. You may not have thought it thought your budget through the first time. you know you may be using a different way of thinking because that's one of the things of independent filmmaking is learning to think with the resources you have. Maybe you can make this movie for $5,000 and not compromise your vision. Well, there's an example of
0: like, I think it was Jason X. I think when I was listening to the commentary for Jason X, they said something like the battle between KM 14 and cyber Jason was supposed to happen in zero gravity. And they're, they're sitting here figuring it out. And he said, he literally had the script in front of him, and they're trying to figure it out. A producer came by, took a pen, crossed out the word zero gravity, and goes, there, now it fits in your budget. Yeah. And, it's, and it's like, yeah, but that, did, that also compromised his vision. Maybe if they'd thought it through a little more, they could have figured out how to have done the zero-G fight instead of just, we're wasting daylight! Do, 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 not, now it's just a fight. <laughs> so
1: what they should do now is go back, reshoot some scenes, digitally insert some people, and make the film they really want with Ewoks.
0: All right, hang up on Scott. Got it. <laughs> well, and then you, you've, you've, also got, you've also got this thing, and I, I, this was an off topic that we did the first take of this, but I, I still want to bring this up because I get all these DVDs from alternative cinema, and I know they're not going to be happy with me. I'm not bad-mouthing alternative cinema, but some of the stuff that they release, if I see one more shot on digital, low-budget zombie movie, I think I'm going to go start rending my neighbor's limb from limb. Okay. Guys, no pun intended, the zombie genre is dead. Every, I mean, Alex pointed out the first time, Netflix has probably got 50 different zombie movies no one's ever heard of, shot within the last five years. There's still more coming out. Why do people keep making zombie movies? First of all, they're never any good. Second, the genre's over. And, and I'm going to say this to both you right now, and Hollywood, screenwriters, If I see one more movie that's a horror movie or a slasher flick, that is about a bunch of 20-somethings getting together to party! I'm going to start picking people off of a bell tower with a sniper rifle. Okay? There has got to be another way in Hollywood that you guys can figure out how to get people together that does not involve partying. I was a big
1: zombie fan at one point. I, I enjoyed The Walking Dead for the first season, lost interest in the second we we had a friend of ours say that the reason there are so many zombie movies out there is because you take some stuff, you smear it on somebody's face, poof, zombie. And so they are cheap. The problem is, they're cheap, and they're the market is flooded. And I am just zombied out. There there was even. There was even talk a while back of a movie involving robot zombies. And I'm like, how does robot zombies work? Do you switch them off and then you switch them on again and surprise they're undead? Or, <laughs> you know, it, it, enough. It's, it's like, I, I adore bacon. I love bacon. I eat bacon as much as I possibly can without having a heart attack. You don't have to rub bacon on everything.
0: Well, what about the whole, let's get together and party? Oh, my God, a killer showed up. Oh, my God, there's a monster at the party place. Oh, my God, there's mutants where we're partying. It seems like every, maybe 70 to 75% of the horror movies that come out today. I just watched a whole slew of trailers on Netflix tonight for horror, or not on Netflix, on Xbox tonight for horror flicks. At least 7 out of the 10 that I watched we people getting together to party.
1: Well, the director that comes to my mind that is always the let's party, oh my gosh, a killer type deal is Eli Roth. That's
0: uh, exactly who I was thinking you I, were going to go through also.
1: <laughs> I, I think he really elevated that to, uh, to both art and stupidity at the same time. And it's, it's a convenient tripe way of getting people together. It's lazy writing, is all it is. Why are these people people getting together? Uh, geek conference? Perhaps they're going on a cruise together. Perhaps it's a good time. No, that takes a whole lot of thought and a whole lot of set party. Everybody knows party. We'll go, you know, we'll go that way, and maybe we'll throw some L M F A O in there in the soundtrack, and that'll really sell it.
0: He, You just stepped in something. Alex hates LA. I, hate
1: I I despise the band. I really do. Oh. I can't stand them.
0: I just thought it was funny that that's the one you used for an example. I'm like, oh, Alex is about to go off on you, I think. <laughs> no. They're the worst. <laughs> but all right. Your thoughts, Alex, on the zombie and party
2: genre? Any other artistic medium. You're going to have your original thinkers that know what they're doing. And think outside the box and make great new art. And then you're going to have the people that just make what's popular because they're honestly not that creative of a person. I mean, Eli Roth. Eli Roth, yes. Bookstores, for instance. I can't go to Barnes and Noble without seeing a table full of vampire novels nowadays. Uh,
0: well, no, it's not even vampires so much. It's supernatural romance. I've seen werewolf romance novels now, zombie romance, ghoul romance, succubus romance. It's, the, it's just supernatural and romance is a whole subgenre unto itself now, which is kind of sickening.
2: That genre is dead.
0: No pun there, intended.
2: No pun intended, yes. But everything that can be done with that genre seemingly hasn't been done now. You know, it's time to move on. It's not popular anymore. And if somebody can come along with a great new zombie film that's original and great concept, then great. But people need to stop making the same zombie film over and over again.
0: Well, and and then that's what comes down to, and I'm going to shoot myself in the foot right for what I'm about to say. But I think the fact that I'm self-aware about it gives me a little bit of credibility. I think digital shooting on digital has become so cheap, it means anybody can make a movie. And while that's good, that anybody can make a movie, that also means anybody can make a movie. Does that make sense, guys?
2: Yes, that makes sense.
0: Do you see why I'm I'm both pro and con that, Scott? I can
1: understand that, and I equate it to podcasting. You, You get a microphone and a digital recorder, and some luck with Skype and you do a podcast or a radio show and you throw it online. And it's cheap enough now that anybody can do that. The The most interesting thing about podcasting, and we've talked about this before, is the poop tends to rise, you know, the cream rises above the poop eventually. But there's a whole lot of poop that it needs to work its way through. And right,
0: and I'm, and I don't want to sound arrogant that us you know each of us has our own show and i don't want to say like oh we're better than the other podcasters out there scott but i i think you know our shows are pretty decent especially compared to i mean scott you and i have discussed how bad so many of those shows out there are huh Well,
1: i'm gonna go ahead and say it i'm better than a whole lot of podcasters out there it's a matter of experience and it's not that I'm not willing to help them get better. It's that uh, I'm better. I've had years of experience. You've had years of experience at this and, and we're, and we play off of each other really, really well. So yeah, we're better deal with it. And there's a, there's a lot of crap out there deal with it. But, and, and I think filmmaking is taking the same route. Filmmaking is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And you are going to get a lot of poop in there, but I think and I have hope that in the future a, a young filmmaker who otherwise couldn't afford it will use the tools that he is able to afford and will use the budget as a tool correctly and will rise to the top as a, as a, as a true film artist.
2: Yeah, I was going to say kind of the same thing because uh, you bring up podcasting, but realistically you could bring up any art form there is going to be a lot of crap but the cream rises to the top so
0: to speak to end off with tonight where can we find alex jowski
2: www.geekjuicemedia.com
0: what about scott
1: murray uh you can find me if you're interested in a more spiritual side of life you can search up in itunes for another pagan podcast or (laughs) go to facebook.com slash Another Pagan Podcast. Of course, Josh, you and I do probably the best and most underrated show on Jackalope Radio, Lost in the Static. Yeah. Wow, I, yeah. I, can actually, I can actually smell the hubris through, <laughs> the, through the sky.
0: <laughs>
1: and, but, but no, you and I do Lost in the Static together quite often, which is a whole lot of fun. And Alex, we'll have to have you on, La- on Lost one of these days, and I won't talk so much, I promise.
2: Oh, I think we all talked fairly
0: tonight. No, I I think it should be the other way. Alex should have you on Geek Juice. Yes, I have Geek Juice
2: Radio (laughs) on Jackalope.
1: I say we have everybody on all one another, and we have a big radio show orgy, and that's just the way (laughs) way it should go.
0: You can find me at 1201beyond.com, <laughs> 1201beyond at gmail.com. My weekly column, Sanity is Razor Thin, at geekjuicemedia.com. My monthly column, The Shadows of Pop Culture, if you're in the Green Bay area, in Scene Magazine. So since Scott got all creepy, I'm just going to say goodnight, and you two don't get to say goodnight. Good night. Damn it. Good night.